Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. You frightened me. Did I scare you? You did. I didn't expect it. That was like, whoa, greetings. All of a sudden, well, I had to get in there, and, uh, you know, I was uh, down the hall, you know, (laughs) just barely got in. Just made it. I like to play it cool, you know, but that one didn't work as well as normally does. How are you doing? I'm doing good, and also we have uh, Ziggy Rodriguez here. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, okay. All right. (laughs) All right. That's good. We're all here, so we're going to keep trucking down our Decalogue for evangelization. Bring it on. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yes. No, it's super cool. Yeah. How many things are in the Decalogue? There's 10. There's 10. You're exactly right. They should call it, name it after that. Why don't they say 10 in the name? The Tenalogue would have been better. (laughs) Yeah. Tenalogue. The Tenalogue for evangelization. Uh, And uh, we'll just zip through the list. How about that? Uh, Number one, know Jesus and make him known. Number two, meet people where they are and journey with them to where they are called to be. Number three, live for the future in the present, informed by history. Number four, back to the basics. Number five, make it relevant. Number six, collaborate to accomplish great things. Number seven, which we're doing today, teach a man to fish. Number eight, salvation is born of the family. Number nine, it makes a difference to this one. And number ten, there is a God and I am not him. Uh, and we'll talk about, we'll elaborate on all of those in the shows that we do, focused on each one of those. And this is show number seven, Teach a Man to Fish. There you go. So that's an old uh, adage, saying, whatever. I'm we mean it literally, by the way. If you yeah. don't have fishing poles, you cannot evangelize. So yes, yes. Go <laughs> to your, your local. You couldn't uh, give them a fish, though. Well, see, here's the thing. That's yeah, a tee up. Yeah, here's the thing, You're Tom. Welcome. You're right. You're You're, thank you. <laughs> if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Right. Yeah, this is the old saying. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed, you feed him, him for, for a life. life. Right. And so, you also teach him about the poaching laws because that can get him in trouble. Well, make sure you have that. a license before you uh, before you fish. Uh, Poaching I don't think I don't think Sam sees it yet. I don't think he sees the Decalogue or the Tenalogue. I'm sorry, the Tenalogue yet <laughs> for evangelization. That's the problem right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as we uh, as we teach a man to fish now, also for Sam's benefit, we're also talking about women here too. Oh, I mean, okay. we're going to include the women and the men in this one thing. But this is like that man with the capital M in terms of like. You know, all, men, all men were created equal. It's, it's right, mankind. exactly. Right, exactly. All that stuff. Humankind. So, yes, humankind. Well, um, so so here's the thing: when we're evangelizing, um, there we sometimes you have this window of opportunity, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes I think we try to cram too much in that window. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine going to Sonic. The uh, drive-in place. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you got one of everything on the menu, and it all came through the window at once. Mm. I mean, it would be a mess. It would be ugly. It, it, would, it would be ugly. I've done that before. I <laughs> you have. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I um, I, it, it just it wouldn't work, right? And, oh. and nothing would come through like in one piece, first of all. Like I got, I got ice cream everywhere, mustard yeah. everywhere. It was disgusting. Sam's biggest problem is he always forgets to roll down the window. And that's <laughs> <laughs> Rule number one of the drive-in, drive-through, whatever. Or use a convertible. 
Yes, exactly right. So it just comes over the top. Right. Anyway, the, the thing is, when we have this limited window of opportunity when we're evangelizing, mm-hmm. there's only, you know, so many things that you can teach, tell, expand upon, um, share, um, witness, story, all these different opportunities. And it's like you have a hundred things to go through. I mean, to do a good job of evangelizing, mm-hmm. we think, a lot of people think, it's like, well, you've got to, you got to give them more information, right? And sometimes I've actually heard, even in, you know, in the context of people who are like, say, already Catholic, you know, I, I teach in a high school, and there, there is a, there's a lot of pressure, especially like in a school setting, to have this list of 587 things that must be conveyed in order to teach the faith. Right. And the problem with that is that, you know, they'll make, if they remember one, that's one 587th of the volume of information. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty there is, um, are you doing any good? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, I, and I think the thing is, you're probably not. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't ever work. I'm not saying education is bad. Don't go to school, kids. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying that we shouldn't have Catholic education. What I am saying is we have to be mindful about how we're teaching people or how we're evangelizing people in a way that's going to cause them to have a hunger to know more. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you, if you look at our, again, uh, our Decalogue or for the Sams out there, the Tenalogue for evangelization, <laughs> if you're looking at these ten things, a lot of them have a lot to do with making it count, right? Uh, and the, the very first one in the Decalogue is uh, to know Jesus and to make him known. It's, it's such a basic, simple prospect, mm-hmm. right? And in that is the, is the kerygma, you know, he died for you. Uh, he loves you so much that he, that he would die for you um, and reconcile you to the Father. It's that simple. And if you would just accept that reality, then salvation can be yours, mm. right? And that's a, such a simple thing. And, and this number seven in our Decalogue, Teach a Man to Fish, is really essentially saying um, that, you know, information is important, but most important is that they know the person of Jesus, because if you actually truly know Jesus, if that's what you're doing, if you're sharing Jesus with this person, well, they're going to be hungry. Like, tell me more about this Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to know more about this Jesus. And in that situation, that, that opens the door. Right. I mean, Sam, have you ever had an opportunity where, uh, where you were just driven to know more? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, for sure. And one, a couple of things come to mind. One... When I graduated from a, a liberal arts college in New England, and I remember when I was um, our our during our commencement address, uh, the president should be said, talking like this. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but what he, what they were explaining during our commencement is that what we were taught was to prepare us for self education, for a life of self education. That by by giving us the skills to be critical thinkers, for example, yes. they equipped us. To be able to continue, they build us up with a hunger um, to learn, and they equipped us to learn on our own, as opposed to having to be within that formal setting for the rest of our life, because it's not practical to be in that formal setting for the rest of your life. Right. And so that really stuck with me that that was part of their final message to us as we were as we were graduating, and I think that that kind of good luck getting a job. That was the other. (laughs) That was the other practical message you got there you go, in the sure. liberal arts college. 
<laughs> but the, French poetry is only going so far at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> La Big Mac. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but ultimately, um, you know, one the other thing that comes to mind, there's an apparition of our Blessed Mother, and I can't remember which apparition it was, but there was a, a line that was reported by one of the interlocutors that always stuck with me, which is, once you have the Holy Spirit, you have everything. Yeah. And so making sure the person knows Jesus, but also receives the Holy Spirit right. fully. That, see, the, see, the Holy Spirit should be the goal of evangelization. Yes. Right. I mean, ultimately, if that's what your goal is when you walk in the door. But, but I just think about the folks that, um, I don't know, they, 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 they get stuck and, and they'll look at the material or they're, you know, when, they're, when they're trying to evangelize. You know, and, they, and they go in with a binder. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually know a guy that's got a binder. And he's just like waiting for somebody to ask a question that he can flip to page nine hundred and eighty three. Is it a trapper keeper? Those yeah, are pretty well, awesome. <laughs> well, so so it's like, and so he's got like, I don't know, facts and figures and names and dates and lists and prayers, data definitions. He's got all these things, right? Writings of the church fathers. He's got uh, you know songs and psalms and uh, everything you could imagine. Modern art, uh, authors. You, you have all kinds of stuff. You know, this huge repository. The deposit of faith, right? You have all of this stuff in the church, and the thing is, again, you're you're trying to cram all that through the car window at Sonic. It's just it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So this brings to mind the near death experience experienced by uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> oh, I thought you almost died at a Sonic. <laughs> no, that's too well. <laughs> that's, a oh, that's a story. Oh, we're having another heart attack, but no. <laughs> but Saint Thomas Aquinas, um, after he'd already written all of his great volumes of the Summa Theologica, Summa Contra Gentiles. Um, he had a, uh, a near-death experience. He was on a horse, and he smashed his head against a, a, major, a big branch, fell off the horse, and he had a vision of heaven, a beatific vision of heaven. After that, he never rode again. And the reason for it was he said that after having seen heaven with his own eyes, he looked at all the work he had done. This one of the greatest theologians, if not the greatest theologian of all time. Well, he said it's just straw. Right. It's just straw, you know, and 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 I and I'm thinking of that guy's binder cannot compare to the volumes of work created by Saint Thomas Aquinas. So if Saint Thomas Aquinas's work was straw, and the right. eyes of Saint Thomas Aquinas, I mean, no offense to that guy's binder, but it, it was a nice binder. I'm just going to say it was a nice binder. I had binder envy. It yeah, was so, definitely so basically a nice get out of the way, get out of the way, and let the Holy Spirit do His work. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. But the problem is, I think by the, uh, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a binder full of stuff. I mean, I've done that before, where I've collected verses or right. uh, catechism passages that related to all these different, like sort of apologetics topics, and that's handy. And there's a time for the binder. There's a time when you'll be able to share that or whatever. But the reality is, if you make essentially room for the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do what He does. He's going to find the things that are important to that person. Right. Your binder is what was important to you. What's mm-hmm. in that binder? If you're talking about the, the 2,000 years of history, it's not going to fit in a binder either. Mm-mm. But you selected what was in your binder because this is what like lit your flame, right? Mm-hmm. This is what the Holy Spirit said to you. Now, if you find a clone of yourself out there that you're trying to evangelize, well, that binder, you just hand them the binder, and I'm sure it's going to work. But the reality is, we we don't know who we're encountering, right? And and if we're in a short period of time walking up to somebody and saying, "Hey, I got some really good information for you. Here, listen," you've lost them after. Hey, 
I mean, they just, they're not, they don't really want to stand there and listen to this list of, of this scripture verse, that scripture verse, this passage, that church father, especially if they haven't been evangelized before, if they don't even really understand fully this concept of, of Holy Mother Church, of 2,000 years of patrimony and of, of history and, and, and uh, sacred tradition. They don't understand any of that. You're basically speaking a foreign language to someone. Mm-hmm. I just know that I've encountered a few folks that I kind of didn't like the fact that, uh, you know, like, well, you know, the first thing you should talk to about is the, is the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm not saying that's not the first thing you talk to somebody about, but I'm going to say it's not the first thing you talk to somebody about because it's never worked for me. Well, ultimately, we're learners by experience. We can teach something to somebody, but we can't learn for them. And for them to actually take in the stuff that's in the binder or take in whatever it is that you want and uh, actually accept it into their heart as heart knowledge, it has to be within the context of their own experience, oftentimes learning the hard way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's no substitute for that. And that's knit into the fabric of our lives. Yeah. And you'd have to shrink that binder down to go into their heart. Because <laughs> it, it's like it would not be good. We can use the same technology they're using to put a camel through the eye of a needle. There know? you go. See, this is working. <laughs> I can well see this working. Right there. <laughs> Very well played. <laughs> we're cruising through the Decalogue Excellent. for evangelization. We're on number seven, Teach a Man to Fish. Um, and we're going to take a break first before we finish up. Uh, yeah, Tom's looking at the quick. time going like, wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, actually kind of went over a little bit, but that's okay because uh, we're in control. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I just want to remind folks before we take that break that uh, they should uh, check out our website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share our posts. It makes a difference. Awesome. So with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. The 1960s were tumultuous time for America. The Vietnam War was raging. The assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King shocked the world. Hippies held love-ins. Draft cards were burned. Scientists told us we were overpopulating our fragile planet. Feminists told women to get out of the kitchen. Then there was Woodstock, the Cold War, astronauts on the moon, free love, and the pill. Bob Dylan was right. The times, they were a-changing. In the midst of this era of great moral uncertainty, when the lines between right and wrong, good and evil, became increasingly blurred, came one of the most beautiful and impactful documents in church history, Humani Vitae, subtitled On the Regulation of Birth. Humanae Vitae was promulgated by Pope Paul VI as a defense of the clear and constant teaching of the Church that unnatural forms of birth control were immoral and intrinsically evil. While there was some support for the document, it was not universally well received. In fact, an unprecedented wave of criticism and dissent was unleashed from within the Church, as well as ridicule and contempt from without. In short, it went off like a bomb. But as the church has always done since she was founded on the Rock of Peter some 2,000 years ago, she stood up not for what a fallen world thought was right, but for what God thought was right. In defending her singular stance against the immoral use of contraceptives, she stated in section 18 of Humani Vitae, It is not surprising that the church finds herself a sign of contradiction, just as was Christ, her founder 
But this is not reason for the church to abandon the duty entrusted to her of preaching the moral law firmly and humbly, both the natural law and the law of the gospel. Since the church did not make either of these laws, she cannot change them. She can only be their guardian and interpreter. Thus, it would never be right for her to declare as morally permissible that which is truly not so. For what is immoral is by its very nature always opposed to the true good of man. By preserving the whole moral law of marriage, the church knows that she is supporting the growth of a true civilization among men. Humane Vitae continues to be a source of consternation for those who would oppose church teaching, but it also continues to be a beacon of light for a world desperately in need of a constant, unchanging truth. I'm Vester Zimsky, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here with Tom Dorian yes, and sir. Ziggy Rodriguez. And we are going through the Decalogue, or the Tenalogue, as Sam would say, of yes. evangelization. Um, and we're on number seven, teach a man to fish. And essentially what we're saying here um, is that they... Stop asking me for a fish. Yeah, exactly. I don't... You know, my I'm wife kidding. doesn't like fish. I'm, I'm glad kidding. that evangelization does not really involve fishing because she wouldn't probably do very much right. of it herself. Yeah. But all that said, um, this idea that we, we, you know, more information at the the spot of the evangelization event, mm-hmm. you know, is not necessarily what's needed. What's needed is essentially teaching them where to find that information. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the one time we get to say, hey, go Google it. Mm-hmm. You know, now be careful when you Google because there's as much anti-Catholic stuff out there as I guess as there is Catholic stuff. But uh, but the reality is um, there's just a lot, right? There's just a, a huge, huge amount of material, and what it is that's going to take that person where they need to go it can't really be decided by you in an instant or in a few moments. And so I, I've always been amazed at when I've had encounters, like whether it's, on, if it's like an airplane or something that's not planned and you're there and all of a sudden you have a an encounter. You know, I've always loved the fact that uh, I've read so much and I've, I've just gathered so much information. It's all kind of in my brain and my heart, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, then, and then the Holy Spirit kind of bubbles up what needs to come up at oh. the right time, you know, and, and it turns out to be a... We'll say for the Lord a profitable venture. You know, it just it turns out to be good. Um, but if I go in there with the concept of start here, go to here, go to here, and I'm gonna do this, then I'm gonna close them with this right here. And all of a sudden, it's nice like you, you, you lost them after number one. Always be closing when you evangelize. <laughs> yeah, closer. The coffee is for closers. That's a Glengarry Glen Ross uh, reference, and none of you guys got it, but that's okay. I got it. Did you? Good. Good for you. Um, all right. So, and again, just to reiterate, we only have so much time when we're talking to these folks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like it's it's a it's a it's a small window, mm-hmm. and 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 if you put all the pressure on you to figure out how to fill that window, how to take care of everything. You're gonna you're gonna lose them because there's so much knowledge, there's so much scripture, church fathers, um, you know, there's there's all these church documents, the popes, history, apologetics, modern authors, there's everything, and you cannot, you can't shove it into their ears all at once. There's just no way. Well, and what I'm hearing you say is it's not just important of of in connecting them with the Holy Spirit, but also in guiding them along that journey. It's also that important that we stay in touch with the Holy Spirit. That in any given moment. Holy Spirit, to the best of our discernment, 
is going to entrust some seeds to us mm-hmm. to the best of our discernment and ability to receive those seeds. And then we share them to the best of our ability and discernment, uh, broken vessels that we are. Yeah. And at the end, you know, um, God's got a perfect plan that takes all of our own foolishness it's and brokenness into account. Sure. And It's a journey that we don't know <laughs> yeah. has to end at sure. that moment, right? Yes. Yeah, you don't have to close the deal at that moment. And uh, that reminds me also when you mentioned the Holy Spirit that um, essentially, uh, in the words of Fox Mulder from the X Files, <laughs> we are not alone. Right, right. So, so often we go into uh, maybe Fox didn't mean it this way, but we go into evangelization thinking like it's on us, it's on our shoulders. Right, right. right? And we've got to realize that not only is it squarely on the shoulders of the Holy Spirit, but also there are other God's going to use other people at other times. You know, essentially, we're planting seeds all along the way. Yes. Right? And when we plant the seeds and let the Holy Spirit, like, nurture and, and help them to grow, you don't have to, like, have a, you know, a full ear of corn at the end of your conversation, <laughs> right? Um, because it's just, that's never going to work. On the last day, we'll get to see what seeds bore fruit and which ones didn't. Ah, see, that would be beautiful. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's something to look forward to. Right. Right? Uh, that, that would be you awesome. Hope. You hope. Well, this is a good point. You're a very negative person, but I'm very positive. I'm very positive, right? And Sam, also, like, I mean, are we going to be always be victorious? No. You know, or what's what's going to happen? Well, so at the end of the day, people, some of this stuff, it's not just about you know, hey, memorize this doctrine or, or, or this teaching. It's it's change of life. Mm-hmm. It's taking them from this particular place that's not God centered. And uh, helping God lay the foundation so that that person will make changes to put God first. And if they don't want to make that change, it's not going to happen. If you go to somebody, I used to smoke for years. And there were times where I, I quote, wanted to smoke. I didn't really want to quit. And you know what? And until you I quote, really, wanted to quit. <laughs> right, yeah, right. You said, quote, wanted to smoke. You did quote, want to smoke. No, no, no. <laughs> but I'm saying I, I, I would tell people I wanted to quit. I would tell myself I wanted to yeah. quit. But it wasn't until I really wanted to quit that I was actually in a position to truly quit. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, that's a great example for any, insurance, any instance where there's some attachment or addiction or something that a person want, has built their life around that isn't God. If they don't want to let go of that, and put God first. They're not going to let go. How many times do we use the word journey on this program? And how many times? I mean, this is a process. Yes. It's a work in progress. It's not something that's going to, like I said, you're not, you're not going to close the deal. And the reality is um, it's messy. Yes. Right? It's messy. Because I would, I would add to that the idea that even though you walk out of there saying, hey, we saved 50 people today, <laughs> right? Some of them are not going to stay saved. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? There's, sure. there's going to be some. There's going to be some failures. Oh yeah, and you, and you got to let people fail. I mean, because because again, if this is the if this is a process, they're going to stumble. Well, if, let's say there's somebody that you help bring into the church, and you notice that if you don't actually personally bring them to Sunday mass, they're not going. Mm-hmm. And this has been over a ten year period. You see this pattern eventually talking to them about it and saying, listen, man, you have to choose to go on your own. It can't just because be, be that we're going to go into mass so we can go get lunch afterwards and mm-hmm. we're just friends. Like, Jesus is the friend here, not me. Well, and at some point in time, you want them to be able to go to mass on their own as well. Yes. So if you start collecting, you're, you're going to have to get, like, if you evangelize with, with that methodology, you're going to have to go get a Partridge Family bus. Right. right this, is a, this is like media. We're dropping all these media references. <laughs> so you get a Partridge Family bus because you're going to be taking, like, 45 people to mass every single Sunday. Right. Because if you didn't do it, they wouldn't go. 
Right. Well, so that's not successful evangelization. Exactly. Right. You're not allowing room for the Holy Spirit. You're not allowing them to fail, to fall, to to struggle a little bit. You're not teaching them to desire it on their own to be able to. Right. So you're not teaching them to fish. You're giving them fish every single day. There's something that they saw in the church, in you, in your life, in God, that they want and they desire. But for them to actually just make the decision to put it first, that has to come from within. Yeah. And a cooperation of their heart with God's heart. And there's no substitute for that. And I think we also could talk about, a little just to spend a few minutes here towards the end of the program, um, if you can't cram it all in you know, with all this stuff, don't necessarily pick like, well... I'm going to use one of these top three. I'm going to talk about Mary, or I'm going to talk about Eucharist, or I'm going to talk about Mass, or or whatever. And you think, because I, I'll say this, I, I know I, I've, I'm a fan of the Alpha program. Yeah. And before anybody you know yells and starts emailing or whatever, I, I know it didn't originate in the Catholic Church. Now, technically it did, <laughs> because all the places where it originated, and like in the Episcopalian Church, technically it originated in the Catholic Church, but that's neither here nor there. That's a history. Well, a lot of people, are, you know, I still remember one guy saying to me all the time, every time he hears Alpha, is like, but it doesn't mention the Eucharist. How can you evangelize without talking about the Eucharist? Well, a whole idea of Alpha is it's like essentially it's just a name tag that says, hello, my name is Jesus. You're just introducing them to Jesus. Eucharist is coming next. Mm-hmm. Right? So like now that I know Jesus, you know, I, I want to know more about because if you, if, you, if, you, if you start by telling them what the church teaches, you're going to fail. Right. Because before you tell them what the church teaches, you've got to tell them about the church. Right. Right. And before you can tell them about the church, you have to talk about who started the church and why. Yes. So now you're you start at Jesus. You start there. And by the way, while he was here on this earth, you know, before he reconciled us all to the Father, he started a church. Really? Would you like to know more about that church? I would. You know? And and the ne- and it starts to flow. Then you can tell them about the church, when it started, how it started, and what it looked like early on, and what it looks like even now. That same church is around, and now it's like, well, if it's been around that long, maybe I should pay attention to what it says, because essentially the church is the mouthpiece of God, you know, a loudspeaker of God here on earth. And it's like, oh, so now tell me what the church teaches. Mm-hmm. And when you have them there, that's evangelization, right? And it's a process, and that's not going to happen like on the street corner. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's a so the start is really essentially uh, something as is just showing the pointing them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Teach a man to fish, and you'll feed him for life. Mm. Amen. Yeah. So and also, uh, I'll tell you who can watch over our evangelization efforts is certain, certainly the Blessed Virgin Mary. Oh yeah. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.